0: Welcome to the HMO Success Podcast. My name's Wendy, and this podcast will help you invest in houses of multiple occupation. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Wendy Weekly. It's great to have you here today. And it's my absolute honor and pleasure today to welcome to the stage, the broadcast stage, as is uh, where we are today, Paul Lanfear. So, Paul, thank you very much indeed for being with me today. Really appreciate your presence. And uh, Paul and I go back. Oh, Paul, when did we first meet? Oh, it was a number of years ago, wasn't many, it?
1: Many, many, many years, Wendy. I think but over in Manchester, a breakfast uh, the original kind of breakfast meeting over in Manchester is a memory I have. I,
0: I think that's where it was. Absolutely. So um, I've invited Paul on today to talk about his property journey his background in property mm-hmm. and he's got some very interesting uh, input and ideas about 2021 which mm-hmm. i'm really cannot wait to hear I, I, I we were talking about this a little bit yesterday and uh, we paul and i have started a uh, a room i think it's called on clubhouse mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah, yeah. if you have the clubhouse app and you're on clubhouse please do join us search for hmos in 2021 and uh, paul and i uh, well, I, I, I invited Paul to co-host with me and he was very gracious. He took up the invitation and joined me yesterday. In fact, Paul, really, you, you could have done it without me. I didn't need to be there. You were great. Um, but it was really good to have you there. So anyone who's on Clubhouse, please do feel free. Wednesdays at one is when we're yeah. trying to make yeah. that into sort of set it, set it into stone, aren't we? And, uh, discuss HMOs. So do join us then if you're, if you're on Clubhouse and, uh, would like to further your knowledge, your input, and your discussion.
1: Um, so I really, I really enjoyed yesterday. I thought yesterday was actually a lot of fun. Um, and obviously, it's a new platform. So we're all finding our feet. We're all working out how, how it works. But I mean, the tech platform, really clever. Techs, really a really easy platform, very intuitive. You can get all of your questions answered. It, i can definitely see the potential for it you know with exactly with the format we had yesterday which is kind of a panel a panel format definitely works very very interactive very engaging so yeah one o'clock wednesday is the plan isn't it and, and hopefully we'll we'll do them forwards i've, I've got have got a few ideas about some other topics and perhaps some other guests as well so yeah it should be it should be interesting and definitely one for 2021
0: Yes, actually, that's a good point. Next week, we're talking about valuations, aren't we? We're we're going Mm -hmm. to be discussing how to get a really good valuation on your HMO, some of our insider tips and tricks, which would be great. Um, So, Paul, just start by telling us a little bit about your background, how you got going in HMOs, what you've done uh, since you first started.
1: Okay. well, firstly, thank you, Wendy, for inviting me to have this, this conversation. It's an absolute pleasure. I very much admire your work. So I am actually genuinely delighted to uh, come and spend the next hour hour with you. Um, So in terms of um, what what we do, so uh, my life partner and my business partner, which is not necessarily, you know, an easy feat, I have to say. I'm sure Wendy will attest to that as well. Um, We're in business together, so the lovely Liz Landfair. We have a, a brand called Property Angels here in Leeds. We invest exclusively in Leeds we have three tiers to um, the HMO portfolio that we have. We have traditional house shares, one AST, very much a household living as one. Then we have the room-by-room multi-let model which uh, bills include which everybody's very obviously very familiar with and then we have the larger co-living spaces uh all on suites hardwired broadband hotel style um broadband and all the rest of it big shared living areas external living areas you know huge bike stores and all the rest of it so so there's three tiers tiers to it. i'm happy to talk more in detail about those um where did i get started so um uh Property, I think, is probably my third chosen career. Full disclosure: my first <laughs> chosen career was to be the guitarist in a rock band. Um, <laughs> uh, it's fair to say, didn't progress in the way that I'd hoped. Uh, but and that was only that was only because I lacked the talent required. Like, let's be honest, we're all adults. So um, my <laughs> mum, very smart woman, uh, she said to me, "Love, love the rock band idea, Paul, but." Why don't in the meantime we have a look at you know progressing maybe doing some A levels? So I did law, had the most in- amazing uh, tutor. I think very, like many of us are blessed. Not everybody has a good experience in education. I I I didn't particularly. I'm um, dyslexic, so I didn't uh, I didn't enjoy the school process. But I when I found my I suppose first mentor in a way a guy called John Stacey Hibbert absolutely caught my imagination, got into the law. Went to law school, got a first. All the rest of it worked. You know, worked in uh, two of the most prestigious law prestigious law firms in the world. Um, uh, one of the third largest in the world, and its success was nothing to do with me. Uh, when I when I <laughs> left the law, I like to say, you're, when you bump into lawyers, you know, uh, some of them are very very good. Um, uh, I always like to say, when I left the profession, there was no great loss to the profession. <laughs> uh, um, and um, I went on to then train barristers. So if I ever get any trouble trouble anywhere in the world, I have a barrister somewhere, it, pretty much in every Commonwealth jurisdiction, who uh, who will look after me. And um, and then finally moved into property because of the lovely Liz Lanfear. And I could talk about the start of the portfolio perhaps later uh, and the transition that we've been on. Um, what we done in property, lots and I mean. 50 plus HMO refurbs, all kinds of all kinds of things Um, and um, built up a project property management company, peaked out at 230 professional HMO room tenants, sold the business, got the money in the bank and now you know looking at the other opportunities and I I happen also to host um, uh, well, my favourite activity, if I'm completely honest, is is my breakfast. So I host a monthly property breakfast. Um, very frequently it's attended by investors in Leeds. But, you know, given the world we now live in, geography is no barrier now, is it? Uh, so I host a breakfast and I will have, have a small mentoring group for myself. I think that's a comprehensive introduction for you, Wendy.
0: So you are really uh, absolutely You've thrown yourself into the deep end of uh, property investing, haven't you, Paul? You're right in the zest of it there up in Leeds.
1: Yeah. Doing things by halves, is there?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And as you say, you run a very successful property breakfast up there. And uh, that's been great to see that growth and the development of that group. I love to see your posts on Facebook, pictures of the the times previous to COVID when you would have met in person. It always looked like you had a great time together. Yeah. And and what do you do in your spare time, if you have any?
1: I do have a fair bit of spare time. So I'm not um, you know, I think uh you've you'll hear like the likes of Rob Moore and stuff talk about what kind of um level of entrepreneur you you seek to achieve. And I think that's really one of the most important questions. Uh and so he if we just use his model, there's lots of different models, but if we just use his model, uh he talks about entrepreneurs, people who participate in other people's enterprises, lifestyle investors uh, who you know want freedom and choice and profit. But they also don't want, um, you know, the to be on the roller coaster the entire time. And then you have the empire builders. And I often think if you think of Sheryl Sandberg, one of the most influential women in the world, you know, sort of uh, leads Facebook in many ways, wrote that enormously powerful book uh option b about the very tragic loss of her husband um really interesting book on grief i would highly recommend it uh, and then you've got the investor level which is kind of i like to think of tim ferris you know four hour work week that kind of thing um, freedom over money that kind of thing and then you've got elon musk's uh and um yeah very much Investor level for me, so I, I absolutely do not want, want want an empire. Hence, selling a property management business. Um, for me, it is all about quality of life. You know, Jim Rohn. You know, probably the greatest mentor has ever lived in many ways. You know, a man of great faith as well. You know, he, he talks about living a life by design. Mm. Uh, you know, other people like John C. Maxwell. Um, I think that's the key. So uh, for me, it, you know. Outside of property, I have a, you know, you know, that's where the best bit is in many ways. You know, it's family life. Um, I'm obviously in the throes of a midlife crisis. So <laughs> I've um, uh, taken up surfing. I've been surfing for just over a year now. And uh, one of my be- one of my best friends took me for a bit of a walk and said, now, Paul, uh, this midlife crisis of yours, you know, it's been going on for 10 years. <laughs> uh, is, is there an end in sight yet? I'm sorry there's no end in sight so when I'm not doing the property business or my mentoring or hosting my breakfast um, or looking at my other investments which I have a keen interest in um, I will be surfing or with my family
0: that's, that's great. And I, I like that model, uh, as you referred to, Rob's model. Daniel Priestley has a, a similar model uh, yeah. talk, talking about the lifestyle business. You know, do you, want, do you want to have a big scalable business or do yeah. you want a lifestyle business? And uh, he's got a very interesting model that shows how people can get a bit stuck along the way and mm. they can end up being in what he calls the desert, the entrepreneurial desert, yeah. where you are still really swapping your time for money because yeah. you haven't got enough assets you haven't got enough turnover or profit in the business to, to free up your time yeah. um, but on the other hand uh, you know you, you it's, it's still your business it's not a job um and i love the quote from michael gerber who wrote the e-myth mm-hmm. uh he says um if you are working full-time in your business you don't have a business you've got a job and mm-hmm. it's the worst job in the world because you're working for a lunatic yeah and I always think that's so true that if you're in a business and, and property can be like that, I think particularly HMOs, they can be quite uh, task intensive, quite uh, labor intensive. And if you haven't got systems and people and processes or somebody you can off, uh, offload it all to, to for example, an, a really good agent, then you will end up doing it all and you'll end up going, hang on a minute. I thought this was supposed to be freedom. This is nothing like freedom, yeah, and uh, you know you you've been through that learning curve of how to create freedom rather than being shackled to your to your business. Uh,
1: definitely, and I think there that you know that if there was any big takeaways, it would be at the very start. Start with the end in mind. Be really clear what your overall objective is. You know Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Success. You know that book has has. Some exercises in it which are life changing because they invite you to go to the end of your life and look backwards, and you really do have to start with the end in mind. It's like when people take on uh, um, the first uh, you know, HMO and they manage it themselves. I always I understand why they're doing it and it makes sense, but it's also is that your direction of travel? Because if it's not, why start down that road? Uh, and we've got lots of options you know we can manage them ourselves through forming a proper property management system as you've got but it's the dabbling that kills people you either got to go for it set up the systems and commit to it or you do what we we have done which is have a really close partnership with a with a a really good letting agent and i mean our partnership involves weekly meetings you know we have a weekly meeting on a tuesday where we go through the whole portfolio we have meetings with the lettings manager we have meetings with the arrears team we have meetings property property management as required you know we're pretty integrated into their business you know um so yeah, start with the definitely start with the end in mind. You know, yeah, that,
0: that's a really that's a really important lesson. I, I think that's so true. Now, Paul, because you've got a lot of insight, you've been in the business for a number of years now, mm-hmm. um, and as you say, you have the lovely Liz to help yep. you every step of the way. Yep. Um, what would be really useful and interesting to to share with people today is some of your insights into what you think twenty twenty one is going to look like for the HMO industry.
1: Yeah. So if we look at it just from, um, well, um, let's uh, obviously let's sort of date date stamp this. So this is the 21st of January. So uh, Joe Biden has just taken over pres- presidency in the U.S. Uh, we Yesterday, I think, or, or the day before, we had the highest number of deaths which are allocated to death within 20 days of the test. So that's that that let's just date stamp that now and 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 we're in uh, the midst of lockdown three. So just without dwelling on it too too much, uh, let's just kind of I'll set out my stall for the year ahead. So furlough is going to come to an end uh, around you know April April time and likely we'll see the it is highly probable we'll see the highest number percentage increase in unemployment that I've seen in my adult life I don't know about anybody else um, and that as we pro- progress through the year we'll see um, bounce-back loans become payable, deferred tax obligations become payable and the realities of what has uh, happened uh, the dawn on us and, and see it in real time in the economy uh, and so uh, and I don't wish this uh, but we are going to see a wave waves and waves of insolvency uh, it is a foregone con- conclusion tragically and um, uh, and you know you can you know those who are very very free market will argue that, that it's a necessary part of the process it, it is as nature intended you know um winter has to follow uh, you know autumn and then spring comes but it is going to be uh, it's going to be challenging uh, and obviously there's a human cost to it and none of us want to see the human cost of um, insolvency and what have you, on top of what we've already experienced. So just setting my stall out, full disclosure. Um, but I don't think it, but 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 in terms of w- with the, where the HMO market is, um, many of us rely on it, you know, as, as you know, we've got, this is the business that we're in. I actually think 2021 could be a great year. Uh, in the HMO market, what we offer is very flexible, high quality accommodation uh, to a range of different um, tenant profiles. That will be in more demand in 2021 than it has ever been. Um, You know, uh, households are, uh, you know, I can see out there, you know, households uh, are going their separate ways. You know, COVID has had that impact. People are relocating. Uh, and people are looking on top of that looking for um either more cost effective accommodation or accommodation that now suits the way that their new world is so for example if you're now um uh, working from home whether that's three days a week or five days a week you know your accommodation needs to be fit for purpose Uh, and so um we all need to gear up to that if that's the demographic but i the headline is 2021 is gonna be a great a great year for the HMOs. It's gonna be a, there's a lot of opportunity for HMO investors. Um what does my crystal ball suggest? It suggests as we get into the autumn, we will see stock returning to the market, we will see retiring landlords, the tax changes have been pretty scathing, the regulatory changes have been very have been challenging, the eviction ban sent, you know, sent a clear message. Unfortunately, to landlords, and many of the landlords who've, you know, made good money, good capital growth, good cash flow, this is the opportunity for them to exit. Uh, and we are, and we're not quite seeing it in our market here in the north, but, but I bore witness to it in, in London very recently. An entire um, t- a row of shops and uppers went on the market, all by the same owner, pretty much mortgage-free, all sold in one auction. That was not a distressed sale. on. That was somebody who's been in the business for, for two decades, eroded his debt, cashing in his chips, and now he's off to the Bahamas if they'll let him on the cruise. Um, uh, so great news for for those of us that are kind of in the trenches doing the investing. But the final people it's going to be great for are for the angel investing community because um, many of them have, have had their fingers burnt uh, in the uh, development um, to, in the d- development aspect because development is so reliant on GDV and un- unfortunately tragically we've seen um, many 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 developers not go the distance this year you know they, they made a lot of noise on the way up and it's pretty mm-hmm. quiet now the but mm-hmm. they're, they're gone they're not in the marketplace anymore and so angel investors are looking for a place to put their money And I think their risk appetite has been dented, but I think they see HMOs uh, from a buy and hold perspective as as a least riskier prospect. Uh, And there is, don't let anybody convince you otherwise, there is more money in this economy looking for a home than there has ever been in my lifetime. Uh, We have so much liquidity. Uh, it is just a case of matching up um, the respective um, requirements of angel investors and HMO investors, and there's a great partnership to be had there. The risk can be managed, and everybody can, you know, get 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 what they want. So, I know I start off with a bit of doom and gloom about my prospects for 2021, but I actually think for the HMO space, um, it's it, it's looking pretty encouraging.
0: It's very interesting what you say, Paul, about the liquidity. I was listening to uh, a podcast the other day about economics. I know you and I share a, an interest in economics and uh, uh, other asset classes to invest in. And one of the um, one of the speakers was saying that twenty five percent of the world's currency, so this mm-hmm. is global currency, twenty five percent of what is currently currency was created in 2020
1: yeah
0: so we have 25 percent more money flowing around the system than we did a year ago now that's both shocking and also inspiring Uh, i mean it's shocking because creating that volume of extra currency obviously has massive risks and uh, some of those are inflationary risks some of those are deflationary risks and we haven't really yet seen, I don't believe, the outflow of that money yet into the general economy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it will, it will be very interesting to see when and how that does uh, happen. Um, but the other side of it, as you're absolutely right in saying, is there are more people now with extra cash. And while we we have this group of people who maybe have lost their jobs they've lost their businesses even today I was listening to Radio 4 that was sort of on in the background that they're predicting a huge number of retail shops going under this year and and, you know of course that we could have predicted that with our eyes shut as soon as we knew that we had to lock down a lot of these businesses just do not have the reserves or the government support to keep going Mm -hmm. so of course they will have to close now that in itself provides an opportunity for us as investors But the point is, we've got this, this slightly kind of dichotomous financial situation where we've got some people who are have got no money, and they're going to be in poverty, and they're going to really be suffering. And I have great compassion for people who find themselves in that position, because it's nothing, it's none of their fault what's happened. And it's, I'm not going to debate government policy here. But it's, it's what's happened. But as you rightly say, there's also the other side of the coin, which is people who have benefited from the extra increase in uh, currency and now find themselves actually much better off than they were a year ago and find themselves with more money in the bank and find themselves looking at their bank accounts going, hang on a minute, I'm getting 0.1% return. That's nothing. I I can't live on 0.1% return. I've got to find someone that I can invest with and get 5% return because that would be brilliant. Now, mm-hmm. a few years ago, I was offering my investors 10% return. And yep. now I can offer them 5% and they're still cock-a-hoop about it. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. that just shows the, the different environment that we're, we're working and living in, doesn't it?
1: It certainly does. I mean, I've heard people reference that, what you have rightly described as uh, the K-shaped recovery so uh those on fixed incomes or um yeah th- those that are employed fixed incomes unlikely to get pay right pay rises those sectors don't own assets uh the the trajectory is not a positive one whereas the other leg of the k which sticks up in the air are those that um own own assets uh you know people uh you know, people have strong views on this. You know, they, they say that the people closest closest to the printing press do well is how they describe it. Um, I mean, you only just have to look at uh, a, re- a recent chart of M one, so money supply in the, in the U S. and it is an exponential. Uh, a chart it is it is astonishing to see it 2020 i mean it's pretty much vertical yeah and if you correlate that against uh if you've got a if you got a chart of let's say from the 1970s um of uh money supply growth uh as against um inflation as against property prices i mean that tells you all you need to know about the future in many ways unless there's market intervention which of course there could be um but you know that would suggest that after a period of uh, volatility um you would see if if we continue on the road that we're going to we're going to see ever increasing property prices until the next crisis arise arises i, I say you know unless we unless we see uh, market intervention because it's, it's interesting you know the government has directly intervened in the property market by banning evictions um it, that is astonishing and i'm not you know it's um like i have un you know i'm incredibly sympathetic to the people that find themselves in difficulties and but i also know the truth the truth is that most landlords behave very very responsibly towards their tenants they actually take really good care of them they they negotiate. They try and solve problems. They help them out. You know, good landlords do extraordinary things to help their tenants. I mean, yep. you, the, the, if people heard the positive stories, they'd, I think the landscape would be very different. Um, but it's but but the government intervening in the marketplace is it the answer? I'm not sure it is. I mean, uh, my own personal view is the more intervention the government makes, the more unintended consequences that come out the other end. So. Um, you know it's now very wise for a landlord only to take a tenant who could provide a UK home-owning guarantor or meets pretty stringent um, um, thresholds basically and I think the consequence of market intervention is that landlords are actually more nervous than they were were before about taking on somebody they perceive as high risk And that that is, of course, an unintended consequence.
0: Yes, I think it's a really good point, Paul, um, that um, regulation and intervention often does create unintended consequences. And I think this year it's going to be very interesting to see exactly which levers the government want to pull with regard to the housing sector, because we know it's a massive hot potato for them. We know that housing always is is, a political uh topic that that makes people very hot under the collar yeah. and you've got groups like shelter and you know more kind of tenant um tenant voice the, the voice of the tenant kind of groups um which have something to say and often wield in my view quite a lot of influence uh in central government um but then you also have the people who are providing the housing and i mean let's let's be let's be reminded that shelter Uh, I'm sure they do a good job for their tenants, but they don't actually provide any housing at all. They don't have one property that they own and are actually relieving the problem of homelessness. We are relieving more of the problem of homelessness than they are because we actually provide homes for those people. Uh, So, you know, I, I do think that the voice of the landlord is not always heard very well. And even with groups like the the um nrla uh, yeah. sometimes you know I, I, I can see in some of their posts and their policy there's a kind of uh, you know compromise position trying to be reached and and i'd like them to lobby a little bit more for the position of the the private rental sector because the government needs the private rental sector to work and hmos are a critical part of that
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, absolutely. And to offer a bit of balance, you know, landlords often don't help themselves. You know, uh, I typically don't visit, uh, many of the the Facebook forums anymore because, you know, uh, the quality of the debate is often quite pretty poor and landlords are not showing themselves in a good light, you know, um, just, yeah. you know, you think of some of yeah, anyway, I won't go into some of the examples, <laughs> very interesting, but you know, uh, I think, you know, to offer balance landlords and investors, we also, uh, need to, um, yeah, uh, raise our game as well in
0: many respects. I think that's really true. So somebody who's maybe starting to get investing in HMOs, they've looked at it as a as an asset class and think, yeah, I want to get some of these. I want to replace my income. I want to leave my job. What advice would you give to them at this point of the of the cycle and at this point of the year, Paul?
1: So, I I mean, I always start, start with with the fundamentals, go right back to the beginning. So what is your objective? Specifically, what's it, what's your objective, and, and that can really vary. So, it you know, if it's a I absolutely hate my job, then it's 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 one route. Um, although I even would drill into that and say, well, why why do you hate your job? Could you go part time? Could you? Is it your job you'll hate, or is it the lifestyle you've, that you have around your job? Uh, and is there other things that we could work on that would fix that as a problem? Um, or, or is it, you know, you're, you're wanting to create a pension or is it you've just got capital available and you want a return on it? Um, I think um, a big chunk of people go into property investing uh, when they just shouldn't. Because the truth is, all they actually want is X percent on their money. Uh, I just wouldn't. Why would you put yourself through the hell, which is um, the early stages of, of a property portfolio, if all you want is a return on money? If you want a return on money, just you know, just follow that route. Obviously, protect yourself. Good contract. Work with good people. Um, Lend it
0: to me. I'll I'll take it. I'll give you a good return. There you
1: go. There you go. There's there's an offer there. Um, um, Then I think it's once you're clear about your objective, it's that drilling down to that um, uh, financial freedom number. Uh, And one of my first mentors did, did did this with me. You know, and he and he it was the one that it changed my life. So you work out what that number is that you actually need every month without fail to have complete freedom of your life back. And, um, you know, sometimes when you're looking at this thing, you think, gosh, wouldn't it be nice just to be sitting on the beach? Turns out none of us actually want to sit on the beach. But anyway, that's a different story, isn't it? Um, So once you've got that number, then it's about reverse engineering it and thinking, well, what do I need to get to that, that number? And you could, I mean, there's, let's be absolutely plain. There's nothing wrong with the humble buy to let. You know, if you, if, you know, one of our best performing asset is a three bedroom house. It is now doubled in value. We've, we have none of our own money left in it, and it still cash flows, you know, several hundred pounds a month. But we never hear from it. The tenants are making it, they're improving it. Whenever they ask for something, we immediately do it, you know, because that's that, that the way we approach things. You know, if depending on what that number is and what pot of capital you have you know a few a handful of buy to lets might do it um but that's probably not true if you live in central london but if you live in the north of england and you've got you, you wish for a modest life it's very possible um then it's a case of all scaling up so if that number is a slightly larger number and you want to get there quicker um then you could look at um uh look at the HMO model now This is when it gets that. This is the kind of when the type of investor you are really comes into play. So if you're an empire builder and you know you want to go big guns and you know you you've got big targets, um, probably the step there is build a really good professional team, you know, and 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 get stuck in and produce perhaps some of the bigger projects. If that isn't you and you're more of a lifestyle investor, you know, I, I would probably suggest starting off with um you know a reasonably straightforward project as your first project obviously you need to add a lot of value value you, ideally you need to add space whether it's basements you know an attic single story extension but you know you, you may not want to go into license the licensed territory on your first occasion and um part of that process will be to sit down with a really really good mortgage broker who is a specialist in the field and Give them full disclosure of your current position tell them your aspirations and let them guide you uh, and your everybody's situations are completely different um, because Liz and I had a you know had before we really stepped on the pedal we'd owned property for quite a long time as many people have done so we were already categorized as um experienced investors so I don't want to tempt fate, but lending for us has always been pretty much a walk in the park. Uh, we we have always used used outstanding mortgage brokers. Um and that is part of the skill. So it's get really clear about your objectives, know what that number is, reverse engineer it, know your appetite to risk and what what your approach to it is gonna be. Do you wanna go and do you wanna build the empire and you know, take a lot of risk, put yourself on the line know that failure is a very real possibility or do you want to get take more modest risk and uh, and, and take a more progress you know progress into it only the individual will know what they they are and what their circumstances are and also what their motivations are um, you know people either move away from or they move to in my experience and they're right and they use different kinds of fuel and um you know obviously the enlightened thing is that we're moving to and um, we're we're driven by the positive emotions of love, generosity, kindness, mission, being of service. But you know, sometimes that just isn't true. Sometimes people are driven by um, rejection, revenge, uh, desperation. And and if those are the emotions um, that someone's experiencing, obviously it's helpful to work on them. but if that gets, if that gets the wheels moving, that gets the wheels moving. I mean, I know, um, I know some very, very successful, uh, people who, um, the launch pad for their real acceleration was, was a, you know, a failed relationship, you know, and, and they, they, it lit the fire within them and suddenly it's enormous what you see them doing. And it's, you know, you send them just a message saying, Oh my God, you're absolutely on fire. And and you have a sense of why what may have been the catalyst, but who cares what the catalyst? If it gets
0: well, there. exactly, it lit the fire, didn't it? It Lit no. the fire, got no. them going. And and of course, as uh, as you've alluded to, on this journey of investment, property development, building a portfolio, running your own business, you you so much have to do personal development along the way. If you, if you don't right. develop personally, you you can't develop your business. And and actually, I'd like to ask you about that, Paul, because I know one of the areas that you're very hot on and strong in is the Wealth Dynamics profile. Mm. So um, can you just share how your knowledge about Wealth Dynamics has helped you in your business?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's an absolutely fantastic profiling tool. And I have been, uh, let's say, subjected to many. Why do I say subjected? Because in corporate life, it would seem that every year... um, in the you know lead up to january in january there would be um more progression to be achieved in the forthcoming year more targets and all the rest of it and there would no doubt be a profile new profiling tool to accompany it and they are a lot they're quite a good you can have a lot of fun with them you know i mean i you know this is back in the day when uh you know, particularly pre the foot Pre the Great Financial Crisis in two thousand and eight, you know, in corporate life, you know, we're absolutely living the dream. You know, you're getting huge pay rises every year. I, I honestly think I was probably overpaid for much of my much of my career. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there you go. Um, and um, we, you know, we're sent off to amazing places. You know, sent around the world to sit in air conditioned conference rooms and talk about you know our preferences. I mean, it's brilliant. Um, I don't think they that, that obviously no longer exists, and that's and it's probably good for the planet that lock that long no longer exists. Wealth Dynamics it is the best one I've ever seen. Uh, Roger Hamilton is clearly a genius; there is no doubt about it. Um, whether or not you buy, you know, his products is neither here nor there, but his book, The Millionaire Master Plan, is one of the best books ever written on on wealth. If you were to read no other book on wealth, um, that book is profound in so many ways and then you do the test you work out uh you you either do the genius you test which just tells you your energy which is useful in itself but really you want to kind of go the whole hog and uh get the full wealth dynamics test so it puts you it, it categorizes you into a number of different um profiles and um you and and you know what your profile is what is the real benefit of it the real benefit is that um there's that einstein quote uh which is you know if you ask a fish to climb a tree it will feel stupid for its whole life and that is exceptionally true uh that is obviously true um because we all have the gifts that we were given all of us but they are they are varied and diverse and they're very very different but if you're playing a game which is not in accordance with your profile you will be utterly miserable Um, and an example of that is so i'm a star so top right hand corner so uh all about attraction and um and energy and getting the best out of people and promoting other people and kind of leadership and all of that Um, what um what the what that profile told me is there was a reason when I did my own bookkeeping, I felt depressed at the end of the day and, and <laughs> frankly want to just have a bit of a, a bit of a cry. And the reason for that is because I was doing a an activity that was completely out of my flow. so then you have the opportunity when you take the, um, when you take the model further, it then specifically tells you what are the two next profiles you have to recruit into your team? So, in my case, a deal maker and a lord. So, a deal maker, as the name suggests, goes out into the marketplace and puts deals together for you and brings them back to you. And um, a, a lord, somebody who is um, focused purely on on the numbers, systems, and what have you. And that has worked perfectly for me. Um, you know, for the last few years, you know, we haven't actually gone out. Uh, and and got deals for ourselves in the marketplace and leads. They've come to us through the co- the connections that we have. People have looked at project and this is a bit much for me, Paul. But would you be interested? And yes, of course. And then um, I like uh, you know I like liaising with our investors and raising the finance and do and working with the designer and coming up with the design and all that kind of stuff. But I I bow to others when it comes down to. Uh, the detailed analysis and all the due diligence. And obviously, you know, I, I take 100% responsibility for all aspects of my life. You know, when it lands back on my desk, it's down then down to me to make sure I'm 100% happy with it, which of course I do. But it's about knowing ourselves, understanding the different profiles, and then building a team, normally of three people, that's Rogers, uh, He just, he talks about a stool must have three legs, initially building a team, um, with um, uh, with with those three people, I am very very fortunate. In that uh, Liz has a very complimentary profile to me, so she's a supporter. But she, even though she's a supporter, so supporters they don't like to lead from the front. But they love to manage the team, and they, you know, they they're very engaged with people. That like they genuinely care for people, as Liz does. So she she deals with that aspect of things. But interestingly, you know, because she's been, you know, buying HMOs uh, since two thousand, and for much of that, you know, she was doing it, you know, as a, a single woman on her own. Um, you know, she she knows the business. She knows how to do it. You know, mm-hmm. she's basically. You know? Um, I, was, I was
0: trying to get a, a link up to the um, to the page. I don't know if I can share my screen actually. Let me just see if I can uh do that. I can show people the um the wealth dynamics profile. I don't know if you can see that uh on your screen there, Paul, but uh that that gives you a, a kind of visual of, of what you're talking about. That no. there's four different energies: dynamo, blaze, tempo, and steel. And we we tend when you when you do the profile, you find out which of these profiles. Uh, is like you or, or, or you are like one of those profiles um and that's that's really helpful i think in terms of um yeah. figuring out what you're good at and as you say where you need someone else within within your team to support your skills and natural flow where their skills and natural flow will will be in a different part of that that business process but it's it's about finding those complementary uh, skills and gifts
1: Definitely, and it and it and it's always stripping it back to fundamentals of you know knowing yourself, knowing the objective, and then really knowing yourself. You know what style of investor do you want to be? What sort of entrepreneur do you want to be? And then you know what your strengths are using the wealth dynamics tool, and then what your requirements are for other people. Because as a, as a star for me, you know um, certain activities. Um, you know, really do turn my lights off but you know if i was having this zoom call with a lord you know their light their, their eyes would be lighting up at the prospect of yet another spreadsheet uh, and and i think andy your life partner business partner may be on on the on that side of things i think he may be yeah, a lord he's
0: a lord yeah he's a lord
1: so again this is a beautiful partnership that you have in that respect that um these different energies can work in this cooperative manner i mean the uh, the advanced version is then you know managing the relationship between those energies because they move at different paces they communicate in different ways um but that's that's the advanced version probably for another day i'm afraid <laughs> great
0: stuff uh so well paul that's that's been really really good to hear from you really great to hear some of your thoughts about this year your take on covid Good to hear your positivity as well about the HMO market mm-hmm. um, you know I, I would agree with you I think that there's a lot of opportunities for us investors we've got to get out there and do it and I, I personally feel also that now is a time to be developing some of those communication skills that we need as investors uh, one of the areas that I know a lot of people fear is getting on the phone and yet the phone is probably our very best tool to connect with one another. You know, this is great. It's great to see you. It's great to have this conversation with you using modern technology. Um, But of course, we can't meet face to face. So what do we need to do? And I, I really do believe that, as you say, there's a lot of opportunity out there. There are still deals. You may have to look a little bit harder. You may have to connect with more people to find them, but they can be found. And when you're using investor finance, which is as cheap as it has ever been and probably will be for a long time, mm-hmm. this is a great time to be going out there and building that portfolio and creating another stream of income that in a few months time will produce fruit and may well allow you to de-risk your job if you're in a, in a situation where your job is precarious because of the economy. So it's a really powerful message and it's, it's great to hear how positive you are, despite the doom and gloom that we hear every day. Well,
1: definitely. And I think also, um, you know, we have to create our lives. You know, we are 100 percent responsible for all aspects of our lives. You know, no one is coming to the rescue, sadly. Um, and as you know, it's, it's easy I think you know I look at my parents who I love very deeply and very intelligent wise people I, I see how angry they get with the government uh, uh, and I spend you know a good hour a week uh, talking them down from the from the ledge um, but does that does that serve any of us and the short answer is it it doesn't uh, and and one of my one of my mentors you know he was talking to a group of us and you know we we had we have done well you know we have uh had made a lot of progress in aspects of our lives, and and he was saying, look, one of the the next challenge for you guys is that you may experience this feeling of guilt. You may experience this feeling of guilt that you know you've you've done well in the world, and and um, we live in challenging times, and you know you, you may experience guilt. The answer to that is to give, and and that 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 is the reality of it. You know, we should all go out and be as prosperous as we possibly can. We should all do. We should do whatever we can to become as prosperous as we can, because then what can we do? Well, can, We can we have more abundance and we can give uh, give more freely. So if there's any sense, if, you, if, if people have wrestled with, as occasionally I have, of, you know, is this right? You know, uh, you know, the, is the world a fair place? Obviously, it's not. Well, the solution is not to crawl into a hole and want the world to go to light. The solution is, well, let's be prosperous, but then let's create the opportunity to be abundant and to give and to find those causes, uh, whether locally or internationally, that we truly believe in and be generous towards them, and then um, uh, the world will be a better place. That's my sermon over, but that's the direction of travel for me. uh, As
0: as Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give.
1: Well, there you go. He knew what he was talking about. (laughs) He
0: did. (laughs) Great. Well, listen, Paul, thank you so much for being here today. Your words of wisdom, your pearls of wisdom. I hope they haven't gone before swine. (laughs) But uh, it's been really, really good to speak to you today. Thank you so much. And, um, And I look forward to connecting with you very soon.
1: Well, keep up, keep up the great work that you do. You know, both here, both within your community and and in the wider world as well. I know outside of property, you're you know contributing to the world as well. Uh, you know, we didn't get an opportunity to touch on that, but continue the great work you're doing. You know, it's an absolute pleasure to share this uh, time with you, Wendy. And let's, uh, I'll see you on Clubhouse one o'clock on Wednesday uh, okay. on an ongoing basis.
0: Absolutely, that's brilliant. Thanks, Paul. Bye for all now. All
1: right. Take care. Keep well.
0: Thank you for listening to the HMO Success Podcast.